morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Fancy File Podcast. I am your host, Greg the Scott, and I have with me today a very important uh, side guest, side host. Yeah, let's we'll, we'll go with that for today. Uh, we have Mick. Mick, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. Just wonderful? Oh, you said absolutely. Yeah, absolutely he's, wonderful. He's absolutely wonderful. Yes. And this is an absolutely beautiful day. It is. I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> in the neighborhood. In the neighborhood. It's great. It's good. I We don't know if it's a beautiful day in anyone else's neighborhoods, but we hope and we're praying that the sun is just shining when you're getting this. Who knows? Maybe the day when this is released, the sun isn't shining here. I hope it will be. But if you wear sunglasses inside, you're just so cool that you're. the sun is always shining on you. Exactly. There's a little piece of fancy file advice. Amen. <laughs> So we have been going through a series on the Fancy File podcast uh, regarding re- the churches to Revelation. Today we're going to do something a little different. We're going back to it. Don't worry if you're really excited over it and you were looking forward to this one. We didn't just give up on it. Uh, but we felt maybe you know every once in a while we can do a one-off, a uh, little side project, uh, just to you know spice things up a bit. You like to spice stuff up. Oh, I love to spice things up. He's a spicy person. But I can't eat spicy food. No, we're not going to go into reasons why, but we get the idea. Yeah. And I love spicy food. Sometimes my stomach might not, but I love it. So, but before we do that, uh, before we dive in, Mick, is there anything you want to tell the audience? Yes. So, this podcast is available on every good streaming um Platforms, Platforms. sites. Um, And so you should definitely subscribe to all of the ones you use and even those you don't use. It helps us keep track of who listens to us and who downloads our episodes. Also, send us um, your mail. Well, not like your literal mail, but like send us mail. Do we have a P.O. box? Uh, No, we have a Facebook Messenger and Instagram, which... (laughs) I answer we whenever. We have a messenger box. We have a messenger box. And yes. so send us your questions and your um, inquiries. Well wishes. Well wishes. And uh, we will answer you. And we love getting in contact with our listeners. And uh, yeah. Also, I have a new book coming out. Does he? Yeah, it should be out in June. So I don't know. This episode's going to be out like at some point. So it'll be out around the summertime. Early summer, late spring. Depending yes. where you're listening, because some parts of the world, summer for us might be non-summer for them. That's true. Anyways, my book will be out in like June. Uh, it'll be called 700 Wives. And it's about <laughs> King Solomon and how even the tiniest sin uh, can derail our entire lives. 700 Wives? I'd, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, and 300 concubines. Some people... Well, I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> it takes a lot less to derail your life than 700 wives. Well, I was going to say, some people have a hard time with one marriage. Never mind 700 of them. So. Yeah. There's just no way to keep up. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mick. Uh, and, and I would assume that people who are listening have liked and subscribed on one of the platforms. So just, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, we're very encouraged by the numbers that we get and it's frank frankly quite surprising because it's not like we're uh professionals or 
you know, a lot of the podcasts out there that are associated with large ministries, uh, or they're already in established churches as pastors, and and so we're we are not that, at least not yet. Not yet. No. No, not yet. No, but we're are we established though? Established, yes. With a large ministry, no. Okay. So, but yeah, but uh, hey, we like doing it. We feel, and we felt for a long time to do this, and we kind of maybe dragged our feet a bit, and then COVID happened, and then it kind of forced us to do it. COVID made us what we are. What Fancy Files is today. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you, COVID. <laughs> uh, so, as I had said earlier, we had started a series on Revelation, and we hope that it's been a blessing to you. We're planning, obviously, to continue doing that, uh, but we're going in a different direction today. We actually want to talk about the importance of communal prayer. Yay, prayer! Have we ever done a podcast on prayer? So, I we've, so we've done prayer, but we haven't done communal prayer. Did we do prayer? I think we have. Uh, bring up your uh, demands with supplication. Oh, yes. Yeah, we did that. I'm, I have no doubt that we've talked about praying but I don't think we had a specific podcast that was dedicated to just prayer. Well, maybe like not. it was in our title. Probably should have researched that before coming into this. That's one. okay though. Oh, maybe we got some fancy file fans out there that are. At this point, we have a lot of episodes. We do. They like, probably wouldn't have found it even if we had one. I think we could have found it. Not me. Not you. <laughs> you go back a couple of weeks, like I'm lost. I'm done. <laughs> he's he's given up. Uh, communal prayer. What is communal prayer? And so maybe you hear the word communal, and that might throw you off. Does that throw you off, Mick? Um, slightly. Does it? But that's uh, just because my brain is wired poorly. Oh. Yeah. And also, your first language is in English. It is in English. That might surprise So I hear people. communal, sounds like urinal, and I, it gets me completely <laughs> thrown off. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think prayer... Is something a lot of Christians, well, I shouldn't say a lot. I don't really know where everyone is at, but you do typically hear Christians will talk about a struggle in prayer, if Christians are honest. And typically you'll you'll get two areas they'll struggle with. Maybe they'll struggle with Bible reading or struggle with prayer or both. And you'll have some Christians who might focus more on prayer than, than the Bible readings and others who will focus more on Bible readings and prayer. But also depending where you grew up, like, and I mean grew up like in a spiritual sense, it could be that you came out of a church that, that focused a lot on prayer. And that's great. And But some churches don't. And that's unfortunate. Or maybe at one point they did. And then maybe as time went on, stuff happened and you lost that. Uh, it's not uncommon today where churches at, that at one point would have had multiple prayer services a week. And they would have had prayer Sunday morning, potentially Sunday night. They would have had, at some point, some retired group would come together in the morning during the week to pray. There would be night service prayers. Uh, and then, you know, stuff has happened. I do think, obviously, because of COVID and depending where you live, uh, depending what country you're in, maybe there were stricter rules that might have hindered all that. But let's not entirely blame COVID for the lack of communal prayer that might exist in some churches. Because 
I think you see that some churches kind of abandon those type of meetings a long time ago. And when you see that taking place, you know you're kind of in trouble. Because it's like, well, why are we getting rid of that? Because prayer is like, for me, it's like, this is the engine of the church. This is the power of the church. This is where the church gets its strength from. Because when we're praying, what happens? What happens, Mick? Well, things change. And more importantly, we change. Right. But what are right? we doing in prayer? Like, well, and I'm not talking about communal prayer. Like just, just in prayer. Like what is happening when you're praying? Oh, well, we're communicating with our creator. Right. And uh, we're being incredibly vulnerable towards him yeah. and bringing up all our uh, needs and what's on our mind, hopefully, you know, um, praying for other people. And really, it changes us, ultimately. Right. Right, sometimes more than the situation. But yeah. we, I don't think anyone who comes into prayer with, like, a, a a desire, actually, to, like, go out there and pray and to be honest with God comes out the same uh, from a solid time of prayer. Right. But for a believer, when you're praying, like you say, you're communing with our Creator, we, to do that... Because natural man, that's something that's going to be totally foreign to him because of sin. But for a believer, you will have the Holy Spirit within you. And the Holy Spirit will help you to pray. So when you're praying, you're praying with the Holy Spirit inside of you. So there's, there's power there. Uh, Jesus talked about the church receiving power when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. So when the church comes together to pray, when believers pray, there's power there. And that's where the strength of the church is. As Christians, we shouldn't do anything without prayer. We shouldn't even think about doing any type of ministry without first bathing it in prayer. So when you see Christians who, who were once mighty men and women of prayer get off track with that, or you see churches that were once places of prayer get away from that it's very concerning it doesn't mean it was a malicious intent to do that because that drift can take place over time it's like if you get in a boat and your purpose is to go to the other side of a lake or a pond or a river or wherever and you set course if you do not watch where the course is the mark that you made and you start to drift ever so slightly at first. You may think, no big deal. But as you go forward and that slight deviation exists, when you get to your court, when you get to the other side, you find that you might be kilometers off course for our American friends, miles off course. You do not get to where you were supposed to. And you go, how did we get here? Well, you didn't follow where you were supposed to go. And so I feel that that happens in, in in our personal and our corporate public church lives is that just a little drift and then, you know, okay, well, it's not a big deal, you know, but then before you know it, you're way off course. And I think now more than ever, we need to get back on course. I mean, there's never a time to get off course, but let's be honest. We see what's happening in the world today. It's chaos. It's a very confused time. And that confusion has come into the church. And, I mean, I thank God that at least we still have Sunday morning services. 
because imagine if we, you know, the way we did with, with prayer, we, you know, some churches getting to the place, and actually, and I think you do see this in some of them, where the congregations have gotten so small that they have church once a month because they just can't afford to operate on a weekly basis. Yeah, I've served in um, in a church that was in that format where they only had enough money to pay the minister or pastor for one service, and that pastor would do several churches. So he would work a full month, but not with the same people. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, the obviously the biblical format. But, you know, we need to have compassion and understand. It's like, no, these congregations have like five people. And they were once mighty and, and, and strong. And it's like, well, slowly they just kind of died off. And, you know, I think we, we spoke about this years ago, but this idea that when prayer meetings are shut down that's when trouble comes like immediately right right it's the sign and whether words are used like we don't want to over church people and it's true right when it comes to volunteers because every activity we do in a church needs volunteers yeah right people to to clean up after or to set up or this and that well you need people and if the church has a hundred uh say people in the congregation probably anywhere between five and 15 people serve and they serve absolutely everywhere. Right. It's the same volunteers. Yeah. And so if there's only 15 people serving like nowadays and you have a Wednesday evening prayer meeting, you have a Friday night youth meeting, you have a Saturday night, young adults, Sunday morning, two services, Sunday evening. Right. <laughs> prayer. These with, with Bible studies somewhere with, with in, Bible studies yeah. in there and like, asking them to go to small groups and, and maybe even lead small groups because no right. one else wants to do it. Right. So you find yourself with non-paid volunteers who are doing so much work and that's while what... having to take care of their families and not neglect them and working full time. Exactly. It's like, I understand why you would do that, but we kind of set up our churches in a way where maybe it's, oh, we go there to receive as opposed to serve. And so as opposed to having maybe 40 out of your 100 members um, serving. We have less because we didn't set it up in a way where people serve. But churches that grow are churches where most people or a large portion of those people serve, mm. right? Because it allows for us to do more things. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Now, with this podcast, we don't want it to be uh, an episode where we're shaming anybody. We don't know the situation of churches all across the world. There might be people who are listening to this. Maybe you're, you're in Africa. Maybe you're in Europe, Australia, South America. We don't know. Asia, we don't know. North America, that's where we're at. Uh, so maybe you live in an area where the church is thriving, there's prayer meetings, people are showing up, things are happening. So you might be listening and going, no, that's not what it sounds like for us. But maybe you're somewhere else where there is a decline taking place. And you feel that, hey, this actually is what's happening in our churches. It's not to shame anybody. We don't want to be like, oh, how, how dare you? We want this to be encouragement and something that will create a hunger in you. I, for many years of my, my life attend 
uh, a Pentecostal church. And in that Pentecostal church, I was often told from older members about prayer nights that they used to have. And they would tell us this while there were still prayer meetings at the time that were happening weekly, multiple times a week. And they would share stories of, you know, night services where they would just go up and they would refer to it as the altar. Uh, if you're not used to that term, there wasn't an actual like Old Testament biblical altar. It would just be at the front of the church and they would go, so where maybe where the stage is, and they would call it the altar. And it would, a lot of times it was to go to pray, dedicate yourself to the Lord, receive prayer. And I don't know if all how all churches refer to it, and that's fine. Uh, but we would say altar. So we'd go up to the front, and people would pray late into the night. And you would hear these stories. And these stories would stir up something within you, a hunger for it. Uh, the church that that you know I really grew up in in my in my walk, um, that church had a separate building next to the actual church building, a sanctuary, and it was in an older part of town. And 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 there was this old white building we used to call it the White House, and there that building oftentimes was used for prayer nights. And the stories you would hear and, and it, the things I had experienced going into that building where people were praying and praying in faith and, and you would walk in, maybe you had a burden or there was something bothering you, but you would have this encounter with God. You knew that you met the Lord there in faith and that you sensed his presence Maybe for some Christians, that's foreign to them. They don't know what that means. But can you sense the presence of God? And I would say, oh, yes, you can. And as a Pentecostal Christian, I believe that. I believe that that shouldn't just be a Pentecostal thing. I believe that is a biblical thing. Read the book of Acts. Read Paul's letters. He talks about being filled with the Spirit. This is something that shouldn't just be a Pentecostal charismatic and and maybe a slightly excited Baptist church. This should this is for all believers throughout all history for you to be to experience the power of God. And so when I would hear those stories and when I would experience it, it would create a hunger in me and excitement. I would want to be there. I remember, you know, they used to have these prayer meetings and there used to be this couple that would go and they would tell me they would never want to miss they would never want to miss prayer because if they missed prayer, they would find out something happened and that would bother them. I, we want to be there. Do we feel that way now? Is there a, I don't want to miss prayer because something might happen. I don't want to miss it. I can't speak for all churches, but maybe you're listening and maybe you're feeling like, yes, I, I can connect with that. At one point, that's how I felt, but not anymore. That's not to make you feel ashamed. And when those stories were told to me about old prayer meetings, it wasn't to make me feel ashamed, but it's to stir something within you, a hunger, a desire for that. And we're hoping that this would create a desire within God's people to want to return to Christians gathering together to pray, to pray in faith, to pray as a group, and to really to reach out to God 
and to encourage one another. Yeah, and I'm sure you remember this, Greg, uh, the, when we had the anniversary uh, supper. For our church. For our we, church. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. yeah. And people from throughout that church's history that were still alive, because um, it was a fairly old church, had uh, would come and share their testimonies of what, kind of like the impact of what this specific church had on their lives, or at least that how God used that church uh, in their lives. And it would always begin the same way. We were praying. And then, you know, you hear the first testimony, you're like, oh, that's cool. We get together and pray. And then you kind of relate. But then the second testimony comes up. And so we were praying and, and this happened. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. And then third and fourth and fifth testimonies of people saying how it was as they gathered together to pray that God moved mightily among them. Well, why wouldn't you want that? Why would you be okay to remain hidden, you know, and not to downplay uh, personal prayer at all? But it's like we are called to pray together. Right. And God moves mightily when we do. You know, and, and we hear of revivals, you know, or so-called revivals, you know, um, nowadays. Well, regardless of how you want to call them, it generally always begins with the same, the same thing. People got together and were praying. Right. And now we're super shocked about what happens. But for church history, that's not weird. It's not strange. And it's not special even. Yeah. You get together, you pray, God moves. Right. You know, you were talking about not wanting to miss what God might do. Well, I think, you know, having spoke, if I'm thinking about the same people, having spoke with these people, right? It's beyond even just not wanting to miss what God might do. But like, I don't want to miss what God will do. Right. Right. Like, I remember those levels of anticipation going into the White House, going like, God's going to move tonight. We know. I, I'm coming here with full faith that he will. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know in what capacity, but he will move. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I want us to look at the word. Um, we, it's important that we do go back to scripture. And and as a Pentecostal Christian, I've always believed, like, well, the book of Acts is kind of a bit of, uh, you know, sh- kind of shows us a bit of our blueprint Amen. of how churches, you know, should operate. Uh, Mick, if you would... Look up uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2. Yeah. Verses. Uh, 42 to 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord and in the temple and breaking bread from the house, from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. Now there's, there's a verse here. That I really like, and it shows this is how we see the early church operating and how many churches operate throughout history. 
And it says, speaking of the believers, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. The early church was a praying church. It wasn't only a praying church. They did other things as well. But this was a church that prayed. They knew the power of God. And they knew that their strength, anything that had to be done, was done through prayer. Churches throughout history have learned this truth and secret that if we are to do anything and if we're to go forward in, in any way and have any success for the Lord, it is to be birthed and it's to be carried and empowered through prayer. Not because it's some special mantra. It's the Holy Spirit. We're connecting to God through the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit empowers us and enables us to do what it is that he's calling us to do. I mean, look at the rest of the verse. After it says that, then it says, verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. And now all who believed have all things in common. And, uh, sorry, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold possessions and goods and divided them among themselves as anyone who needed. Now, that's not saying that as Christians that we have to go sell everything that we have. But how did the church know to do that? Because they were in prayer and the Holy Spirit directed them. The Holy Spirit is going to want to direct churches today to do things. How are we going to know what it is we need to do if we're not corporately in prayer? And I think that we make many mistakes because we we hire a pastor, not wrong to do that, but we have one pastor and that one pastor makes a decision and no one else is seeking the Lord. We really don't know in many cases, is this what God wants us to do or do we just trust that the man of God, the pastor, knows what's going on? And that's not to make fun of the pastor. I'm not making fun of I love pastors. It's a very special role, I think, a very special calling. Um, however, however, how do we know whether or not decisions are being made and that in some cases it's it's actually called to the Lord? There was a, a, a poll done many years ago conducted. I don't know because there are many research companies in America like the I think the Pew Forum and and Barna. I think the Barna Group is Christian. Anyway, some research company had reached out to pastors, I think it was within the U.S., and had asked them, and it was anonymous, so they could answer truthfully, how many minutes or hours a day do you pray? And the average time came back seven minutes. Yeah. Seven minutes. So it's that crazy. means there's, other, there's pastors who pray for a lot less and obviously pastors who pray for a lot more. But can you imagine churches in America making decisions based off of seven minutes average of prayer. That type of prayer isn't God, show me what to do. This is God. This is what I'm doing. Bless it. Realistically, right, a lot of those decisions are made from um, extra-biblicular sources, sure, right? Books. Right, and, books and... For formulas and that. Yeah. Now, I don't know when this study was done. It could have been done many years ago. No, but there was one fairly recent, and the numbers either didn't change or were worse. Right. And that's the thing. Uh, if you look, you know, you were talking about church history. You've got people like, take the Puritans or maybe, maybe a bit later in the Puritans, like Jonathan Edwards, who would devote himself to the word and to prayer something like 14 hours a day. Now, did his church have multi-sites and, and this and that and, and 
tax laws and, and staff employees and you know was it more like a business obviously not but there was power when he preached right there was power when people heard the word he was prepared not only to receive the word of god he was prepared to give it you know and we've we've under spiritualized i think church growth when really imagine if we prayed 14 minutes a day right on average yeah double that not even saying go to an hour some people can't do that maybe yet. half an hour maybe half an hour yeah slowly build right. it up right your churches will change yeah perfect example of that okay jim Simbola. Mm. he is the pastor of the brooklyn tabernacle church in new york when he took over that church that church was dead there was very few people there and he was very discouraged leading that church. Like, he thought, we're going to have to close this thing down. And he went away. I don't know. It might have been a cruise, but he went away, and he was praying, and he felt the Lord impress upon him, if you make the prayer meeting the most important ministry in this church, this church will grow and thrive, and you'll go without, like, the Lord will, will provide and that. And guess what? They did. And that church grew. To where it is one of the example churches uh, in America. and But yet, that's not how it started. And there are many churches that have started that way, where it was just a few. And they prayed. They came together. They prayed. And obviously, not only prayer. They they were in the Word as well, which that verse talks about, the Apostles' Doctrine. But what happened? They were connected to the power of God, and God was able to move. I think sometimes, and depending where our theological traditions lie, we can have an attitude of, if God is going to do it, he'll do it. He's in control. That is lazy. Yeah. Because that's not what God says in his word. If he said that, if that's what he said, I'm going to do it, don't worry about it. Okay, sit back, relax, enjoy the ride. Right? If that was what he said in the word, if that was the example in the book of Acts, Holy Spirit gets poured out, and then the prophet Agabus comes along and says, don't do anything else. Just sit back, relax. God going to take care of everything. You're good. Sure. All right. But that's not what is shown in the Bible. The believer is to work. And the greatest work we do is the work of prayer. Well, uh, later in the book of Acts, if you look at uh, chapter 6, verse 4, where it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Yeah. Those who are being called, and I believe we are all called to share the word in some capacity, all called to evangelism, and but more so those who are in the office of some sort of pastoral uh, care or ministry. Um we must be dedicated to continually be in prayer, to continually be in the ministry of the word, studying it, knowing it. You know, when we hear about the the Holy Spirit reminding us, well, we need to know that in the first place. It's not going to remind us stuff we've never heard of in our lives. Oh, yes, I remember this specific passage in that book I never studied because it sounded too complicated. Of course not. Right. The Holy Spirit helps us to accomplish the work that God has called us to do. 
and he is our strength to do so. But we still need to, you know, like Paul said that he he worked more than all of them. But then also, uh, yet not him, but, uh, you know, Christ who lives in him. So it's like, well, it's both. Right. Right. We need to devote ourselves fully. Yeah. While doing the work. Amen. Good point. Uh, I think we're going to land the ship today. The, the, the prayer airplane. Uh, but we're going to come back in the next episode and we're going to continue with these thoughts uh, just to encourage us. I hope that this episode encouraged you uh, in our great ramblings and <laughs> discussions of this uh, to have prayer with other believers, not only, and also pray alone too. This isn't just, you know, only pray publicly because some Christians might have no problem praying publicly, but privately is, is, is a struggle. Um, but yeah, we, we hope that this is an encouragement, that you're not feeling an attack, that, oh, I feel shame, I'm not praying. Look, there's always a starting point, right? It's like trying to work a muscle and, you know, try going to the gym when you haven't ever been to the gym and then you see people who've been there forever and they're like picking up weights, no problem. And you're like, well, I'm a little wimp, you know, and it can be overwhelming, uh, but don't feel that way. That's not, we want you to feel that, Hey, like come and learn from others and allow the spirit of God to teach you. So, um, I'm Greg the Scott. I pray that today was a blessing. And I had with me today, Mick. Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. Take care and God bless. Mm-hmm.